From the wilderness of sin, the whole congregation of the Israelites journeyed by stages as the Lord commanded. That is the first sentence in the 17th chapter of the book of Exodus. And I have to tell you, for some reason, it always catches my attention when I read it again every three years on this particular Sunday in the season after Pentecost. And this year, I'm totally finding myself drawn there yet again. From the wilderness of sin, the whole congregation of the Israelites journeyed by stages as the Lord commanded. Now, I have to tell you, I grew up listening to Baptist, Pentecostal, and holiness preachers go for 45 minutes or more on just one verse from the Bible on Sunday morning. For me as a priest, you'll be happy to hear, I try never to go that long. And I almost always use the entire scripture reading for my given Sunday to work through a sermon. But every so often, something like that first verse we hear this morning from Exodus 17 grabs me. And I can at least begin to understand just how powerful every single verse can be if you read it in the Bible correctly. It is as if a whole theological proclamation has come together and been inspired in just a few words. And that's kind of how I feel about that opening verse of this morning's first reading. Now, if you dig into the commentaries on the book of Exodus for this specific passage, you will easily find much important information and background on the greater overall story. There's always a lot for the historical and theological context to Moses striking the rock as the Lord commanded, providing water to relieve the thirst of the quarreling Israelites who are still wandering through the desert after their exodus from Egypt. And that's absolutely the central point of this morning's reading from the Hebrew Bible. But if you're looking for some background and context to that first verse I mentioned about a wilderness of sin and the Israelite people somehow journeying through that wilderness in stages, you just won't find much of anything. And there's actually a good reason for that. For me, I suppose it's this image of a wilderness of sin that makes me really want to dig in and find out what they're talking about. When I read those words, it just causes me to imagine this very dodgy, seedy kind of landscape the people of God are struggling through in their journey. A dark place where disobedience against God and against God's law must be all around them everywhere. But when you leave your study Bible and try to search through maybe a Bible dictionary, or even if you just Google it, you will quickly find out that the wilderness of sin is more appropriately pronounced in the Hebrew as a wilderness of zin. And when it shows up in the book of Exodus this morning, it is actually identifying the title of a very specific portion of the desert in the Sinai on the way to the camp of Rephidim, where the rest of this story takes place. No one is really sure what that name Zin would mean in ancient times, but most scholars are quite sure and quick to point out that it isn't at all a reference to some red light district in some distant desert wilderness in the middle of the second book of the Torah. But even if the wilderness of Zin is just a geographical name, 
I have to say that for me today, knowing where these Israelite peoples have been these past few weeks as they've moved through these dry and great large deserts, it's pretty clear that each and every day of that journey has been pushing them closer and closer towards the edge of reason and closer and closer probably to fear and to real sinful action. Certainly, we've heard them grumbling about the hardships they are facing and questioning Moses as they wonder out loud about whether or not there's even a presence of God in the midst of their struggle. We've even heard them ask Moses whether or not it wouldn't have been better off for them to have died as slaves in Egypt rather than to have ever journeyed out into this wilderness. Last week in Exodus chapter 16, the Israelites said to Moses, If only we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the flesh pots and ate our fill of bread. For you have brought us out into the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. It is as if the Israelites we've been encountering these last two Sundays have become little more than a bunch of whining children unwilling to trust God and their leaders Moses and Aaron as they continue to wander through the desert in search of God's promised land. Never mind that God has already led them out of Egypt by a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night, which was revisited in that beautiful psalm. Never mind that God has already delivered them from certain annihilation by Pharaoh by literally parting the Red Sea to allow the Israelites to walk on dry land to safety. And never mind that God ended Pharaoh's angry pursuit once and for all by pouring the waters of the sea down upon Pharaoh's soldiers and chariots and horses, swallowing them up for good and setting the Israelite people free. Even with this and so much more the Lord has accomplished for the Israelites this morning in the dry heat of that desert, the book of Exodus tells us that again, the people quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. Why did you bring us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? Certainly, if there's one thing that can make you suddenly say and do something that you might regret, something that opens you up to a great variety of sin and wickedness, it is when we find ourselves worried and angry and frustrated. This, I think, is the emotional part of this wilderness journey where we find the Israelites this morning. A wilderness that has, was certainly a location ripe for sin, for distrust, and for despair. From the wilderness of sin, the whole congregation of the Israelites journeyed by stages. But God loves God's people. And the scripture tells us this morning that again, rather than punishing this grumpy bunch of children and starting over again with someone else, God instead goes to Moses and tells Moses, the one who's really taking the heat from the people, to go ahead with the elders of the people to the rock of Horeb. There God directs Moses to take that great staff used to strike the Nile River in Egypt and strike the rock. And from the rock, much needed water flows for Moses and his people. And when Moses has done this, the scripture doesn't tell us about the Israelite people gathering together to give thanks and drink their fill in gladness. No, instead, the reading this morning simply ends 
with Moses naming that sacred place where the rock was struck as Massah and Meribah, forever naming the location as the place where the Israelites quarreled and tested the Lord, saying, is the Lord among us or not? It's as if God wants them more than anything else to remember the failure that continued in this place so that the people might be able to move ahead and do better in the face of hardship and fear that surely lays before them in the future. And brothers and sisters, I think when we get to this ending of this great story, we can go back again to that first verse one more time. We can go back and begin to understand what is truly going on day in and day out for God's chosen people in this ancient desert. For they are moving every step of the way through a wilderness of temptation and sin. They are moving through it all in stages to reach something greater, to reach discipleship and to reach spiritual revelation. And I think this speaks so profoundly for me every single time I read it because this is exactly what all of us as Christians are doing today in our own spiritual journey with Jesus, are struggling constantly with what's going on in the world, in our lives, and in the church. The Israelites are like you and me today. God's chosen people who God has chosen to free from slavery to begin again his original plan for all of creation. For the Israelites, that slavery was a real hardcore slavery amongst the Egyptians, robbing the people of their freedom to know and be what God created them to be in the beginning. For you and me, it's the same type of slavery. It's freeing us from a slavery of addiction to physical, failing, sinful world that never really delivers the happiness and the hope. It always claims it will do, but always fails at miserably. God frees us from it so that we can find true freedom, letting go and becoming God's children more fully through the hope and promise that we only find in Jesus Christ. And this is absolutely a lifelong movement with its own stages of progress and development. It is given to us by God freely, but we have to take it on. We have to move stage by stage from the door that Christ first opens for us onto that great ladder which Jacob once saw extending upward towards God, moving us closer and closer as we climb it in our spiritual development. For every journey, there is always great moments of joy and celebration and worship. But we all know that there are also moments when the struggle becomes immense and overwhelming. Even for the best and most righteous among us, there are times when we want to give up and when we come close to losing our faith and our purpose altogether. For us, this isn't a journey through some ancient desert in Sinai in Egypt. For us, it is a journey through a tougher, drier inner desert where our sadness and disappointment and worry and stress and anger and discouragement can pull us towards forgetting the most important thing of all, that God is with us. That is where the Israelites have been and that is where we ourselves can be in the stages of life and faith more than we ever want to admit or accept. But brothers and sisters, let us remember and let us never forget 
that God is always with us. And we can struggle and we can question and we can complain and we can weep and we can have trouble sleeping at night, doubting what's going on and where God is within it. But if we keep moving, if we keep holding on to what we know is true, if we keep reading the scripture and we keep coming back around in our lives to Jesus, we will see ourselves moving through all the stages that are getting us closer and stronger with God, even when utter darkness and doom is upon us. It'll help us never forget that God is with us. For the Israelites, the God they were following gave them the food they needed, even when they thought they were going to die from hunger. The God leading their journey out of slavery into freedom gave them the water they needed when they felt like they were overwhelmed by thirst. And eventually that same God even came down to be in the midst of them, born of a young woman who was a descendant of that first congregation of Israelites who passed through the wilderness of sin in stages. And in the form of one of their own people, he reminded them again and again that no longer do they ever need to be afraid. For by his sacrificial death on the cross and his resurrection, he even takes away the fear of that greatest thing that stalks all of us, death itself. Because death has no dominion over us when we live and walk with Jesus Christ. So brothers and sisters, whether you're having one of those days where you're walking with him, or whether maybe you've been beaten up so much in the midst of this crazy world that you just need Jesus to carry you. Keep on the journey. Keep moving through the stages. Keep journeying through that wilderness of sin with the hope and the promise that God is with you, God will be there with you, and God loves you more than anything else. And for that we can all say, thanks be to God. Amen.